everybody. I'm Pam Pastor, host of the Grace and Peace of God Love Wins. I'm happy that you found me, but more importantly, folks, I am thrilled that you have found Jesus. There is power in the name of Jesus. And as we journey together, we'll be unleashing discoveries of how to turn hearts of stone into ones of moldable clay for the potter Jesus to transform. If you're new to this podcast, I want you to know that it's built upon a foundation of biblical truth. And being a podcast, occasionally, I will interject an opinion, but I do my best to make sure to let you know that it is an opinion only and not a statement of fact. So hopefully you're going to join me and others each week as we adventure and explore life together. And periodically, friends, we'll delve into my mailbag answering questions from listeners just like you. So if you do have a question, make sure and email it to me at pampastorcopywriting at gmail.com. Well, friends, as we prepare to enter into God's presence today, allow me to speak a blessing over your life. And this blessing comes in the form of a benediction from Moses's brother, priest Aaron. May the Lord bless you and protect you. May the Lord smile on you and be gracious to you. May the Lord show his favor and give you his peace. Amen. Well, friends, if you have been listening to the podcast for a while now, I want to welcome you back. And are you surprised how easily and quickly we move throughout the book of Job? Hopefully you enjoyed that series as much as I did. And now we're going to explore the book of Jude. Would you be surprised to learn that Jude is one of Jesus's brothers? James is another. Well, his purpose in writing the book of Jude was to defend the truth of the good news gospel. Jude had a message to Christians everywhere. He wanted believers to understand that there are many people who live in opposition to God and to God's followers. These people will twist God's truth and they seek to deceive and destroy the unwary. But God's truth must go forth, being carried out by those that will defend it, by those who have committed their very lives to God's Son, Jesus. And Jude wanted to win back those who had already been deceived. Jude would tell us that opposition to the good news would come and that godless teachers would arise. But Christians should always defend the truth of the good news. We must value the word of God and use it as our standard. Many false teachers are waiting for any opportunity to sneak into a crevice and destroy our Christ-centered life. The credibility of God's word and our unity of our fellowship with others within the church there's nothing more valuable than protecting and defending from harm the word of God. We've talked a lot in the past about false teachers and their schemes at distorting the truth of the Bible to suit their own purposes. According to Jude, genuine servants of God will faithfully portray Christ in their words and in their conduct. 
Jude also warned against apostasy, meaning abandonment or a turning away from Jesus. God punishes rebellion against him when people turn away from God's truth and make a choice to embrace false teachings. God won't sit idly by. And it's safe to imagine that Jude was referring to the Gnostics as the false teachers. Recall the term Gnostic means knowledge. It was a heresy, meaning a teaching contrary to biblical doctrine. And this type of heresy undermined Christianity in several ways. It insisted that important secret knowledge was hidden from most believers, and it taught that the body was evil. The Apostle Paul would counter that even God himself lived in a body through Jesus in human form, and this insinuated that Jesus only seemed to be human but was not. But Paul was insistent that Jesus was both fully human and deity. And you know, I was trying to think of a relevant Gnostic example to provide you with in this day and age. And she's passed away now, but Sylvia Brown was someone who was considered a Gnostic or had a church of Gnosticism, if you will. Now, it's hard to imagine that even in Paul's second century day, that Gnosticism was fashionable. These ideas were attractive to many. The exposure of these teachings could easily seduce and lure entire churches away from the truth of the gospel. So then what is the solution to the problem? Well, we combat these false teachers and these false teachings by becoming students of the word of God. We must have personal study time and sound biblical teaching in our armatarium. And Jude was encouraging Christians while combating false teachings about true and sound doctrine and the right conduct. So who was Jude? We've already said that he was Jesus's brother, but in actuality, he was Jesus's and James's brother, or to be more accurate, half-brother. They shared the same mother, Mary, and then Joseph was their father. But Mary was the true mother of Jesus. However, God was Jesus's true father. And why was Jude concerned about these false teachers? He was concerned because the distortion of the Bible would open up the pathway to compromising the facts about Jesus and the truth of what the Bible says. We know that the Bible is the inerrant word of God and the facts are just the facts that are not to be manipulated. God teaches us about salvation through his son, Jesus. We cannot allow for a distortion of this or any other teaching within the Bible. And Jude would call believers back to the basics about their faith. By doing this, the way to salvation would be clearer for people to grab a hold of the understanding and the meaning. And Jude calls God's people holy people. And here he was referring to all believers. So the book of Jude is a very short book, and if you'd like to follow along with me, turn in your Bibles to Jude chapter 1, verse 1 as we begin. 
And we start off with the danger of false teachers. Now, this letter, again, is from Jude, who's considered a slave of Jesus Christ and a brother of James. I am writing to all who are called to live in the love of God the Father and the care of Jesus Christ. May you receive more and more of God's mercy, peace, and love. Dearly loved friends, I have been eagerly planning to write to you about the salvation we all share. But now I find that I must write about something else, urging you to defend the truth of the good news. God gave this unchanging truth once for all time to his holy people. I say this because some godless people have wormed their way in among you, saying that God's forgiveness allows us to live immoral lives. The fate of such people was determined long ago, for they have turned against our only master and Lord Jesus Christ. I must remind you, and you know it well, that even though the Lord rescued the whole nation of Israel from Egypt, he later destroyed every one of those who did not remain faithful. And I remind you of the angels who did not stay within the limits of authority God gave them, but left the place where they belonged. God has kept them chained in prisons of darkness, waiting for the day of judgment. And don't forget the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah and the neighboring towns, which were filled with sexual immorality and every kind of sexual perversion. Those cities were destroyed by fire and are a warning of the eternal fire that will punish all who are evil. Yet these false teachers who claim authority from their dreams have immoral lives, defy authority, and scoff at the power of the glorious ones. But even Michael, one of the mightiest of the angels, did not dare accuse Satan of blasphemy, but simply said, The Lord rebuke you. This took place when Michael was arguing with Satan about Moses' body. But these people mock and curse the things they do not understand. Like animals, they do whatever their instincts tell them and they bring about their own destruction. How terrible it will be for them. For they follow the evil example of Cain who killed his brother. Like Balaam, they will do anything for money. And like Korah, they will perish because of their rebellion. When these people join you in fellowship meals celebrating the love of the Lord, they are like dangerous reefs that can shipwreck you. They are shameless in the way they care only about themselves. They are like clouds blowing over dry land without giving rain, promising much but producing nothing. They are like trees without any fruit at harvest time. They are not only dead, but doubly dead, for they have been pulled out by the roots. They are like wild waves of the sea, churning up the dirty foam of their shameful deeds. They are wandering stars, heading for everlasting gloom and darkness. Now Enoch, who lived seven generations after Adam, prophesied about these people. He said, look, the Lord is coming with thousands of his holy ones. He will bring the people of the world to judgment. 
he will convict the ungodly of all the evil things they have done in rebellion and all the insults that godless sinners have spoken against him. These people are grumblers and complainers doing whatever evil they feel like. They are loudmouth braggarts and they flatter others to get favors in return. The reality of the situation is that some churches today have false teachers leading them. They have wormed their way in. They are not teaching based upon the authority of the Bible and God's word. Instead, they teach their opinion and their lifestyle and possibly wrong behaviors. This is condemning anyone as we know that all condemnation comes from the evil one, yet conviction is the result of the Holy Spirit. God specifically tells us in the book of Revelation to not add or take away from his word. When we do this, we play with fire. Deuteronomy chapter 4 verse 2. Do not add to what I commanded you and do not subtract from it, but keep the commands of the Lord your God that I give you. In Revelation chapter 22, verses 18 and 19, and I solemnly declare to everyone who hears the prophetic words of this book, if anyone adds anything to what is written here, God will remove that person's share in the tree of life and in the holy city that are described in this book. When a person doesn't want to learn what the word of God says, they open themselves up to being taken advantage of by the enemy. They are unable to refute partial truths from the enemy. They certainly haven't learned who they are in Christ. Jude's stance was that Christians were being taught wrongly, that they could do whatever they liked without the fear of God's punishment. They had a light view of God's holiness. Jude provided three examples of rebellion among the people. First, the nation of Israel, who was delivered from Egypt, yet refused to trust God and enter into the promised land. Second, the angels, they were once all pure, but some decided to join Satan in his rebellion against God. And third, the city of Sodom and Gomorrah and the neighboring nations. The inhabitants were so full of sin that God wiped it out. Think on this. If the chosen people of Israel, angels, and sinful cities were all punished, how much more will God do to a false teacher? He tells us point blank in Jude chapter 1 verse 7. Those cities were destroyed by fire and are a warning of the eternal fire that will punish all who are evil. And Jude said in verse 12, When these people join you in fellowship meals celebrating the love of the Lord, they are like dangerous reefs that can shipwreck you. They're shameless in the way they care only about themselves. They're like clouds blowing over dry land without giving rain, promising much but producing nothing. They are like trees without fruit at harvest time. They are not dead but doubly dead, for they have been pulled out by the roots. Here Jude was referring to the Lord's Supper when they celebrated in the early church. Believers would eat a full fellowship meal ahead of the communion service where they would share the wine and bread. 
the purpose of the fellowship meal was to gather with other believers and prepare their hearts prior to the communion service. This was thought to be a sacred time. However, many who gathered began to abuse both the food and drink. They became gluttonous and drunks. There were many false teachers among them who watched as some gobbled up their food and others went hungry. This was taking away from the unity of the church as well as demeaning the real purpose for gathering. Jude called these false teachers doubly dead and offered us a two-pronged reason for his statement. First, they were useless trees because they were not producing fruit. And second, they weren't even believers. They were the false teachers. So if you've ever wondered how and why the gospel can reference living in the last times over 2,000 years ago, while today we still utilize the reference... It's because it was a common phrase indicating the time between Jesus' coming and the second coming of Christ. And that is why we can still say we're living in the last times. Unbelievers, no matter how many awards they've won in the world and how many accolades they're given, are at grave risk for the eternal fire if someone doesn't step up and effectively witness to them. Sometimes we do this through our kindness and our compassion, and yet other times we must use fervor and alarm when we know they're teetering on the edge of the eternal fire. We're going to pick back up in the book of Jude now, beginning back at verse 17, and we're going to take it through verse 25. But you, my dear friends, must remember what the apostles of our Lord Jesus Christ told you, that in the last times there would be scoffers whose purpose in life is to enjoy themselves in every evil way imaginable. Now they are here, and they are the ones who are creating divisions among you. They live by natural instinct because they do not have God's spirit living in them. But you, dear friends, must continue to pray as you are directed by the Holy Spirit. Live in such a way that God's love can bless you as you wait for the eternal life that our Lord Jesus Christ in his mercy is going to give you. Show mercy to those whose faith is wavering. Rescue others by snatching them from the flames of judgment. There are still others to whom you need to show mercy, but be careful that you aren't contaminated by their sins. Jude ends his book with a prayer of praise or doxology. Verses 24 and 25 go on to say, And now all glory to God, who is able to keep you from stumbling, and who will bring you into his glorious presence, innocent of sin, and with great joy. All glory to him, who alone is God our Savior, through Jesus Christ our Lord. Yes, glory majesty, power, and authority belong to him in the beginning, now, and forevermore. Amen. The audience Jude was writing this book for were vulnerable to these false teachers and teachings that we've discussed. His wisdom and counsel was teaching that the believers needed to stand firmly in their faith and trust God. 
friends, I hope you've enjoyed learning what the book of Jude had to say as it came again from Jesus's half-brother, and it's just as relevant today as it was 2,000 years ago when it was penned. Friends, if you've not been spiritually reborn, wouldn't now be a good time? God made it clear to enter into the kingdom of heaven, a person must confess belief in his son Jesus by professing with their mouth. Listen to what the Apostle Paul said in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21. For God made Christ, who never sinned, to be the offering for our sin, so that we could be made right with God through Christ. When we place our trust in Jesus, a divine exchange takes place. Jesus takes our sin, making us right with God. Our sin was placed onto Jesus at his crucifixion. His righteousness is given to us at our conversion. We can never repay this extraordinary and extravagant gift of kindness back to Jesus. However, we can show him gratitude by growing and making efforts to obey him, deepening our relationship daily. Today, friends, if this is you, respectfully, I'm challenging you to take a bold step of faith and courage, openly confessing after me, Father God, today I'm repenting of sin, meaning I'm changing my ways of thinking. Jesus, I invite you to come into my heart. I confess your shed blood washed away my sin from the top of my head to the soles of my feet at the cross on Calvary. Amen. Friends, if you prayed this prayer of salvation, you were saved and born again spiritually. Your next step is to read God's word daily so he can guide, direct, and reveal himself to you through the Holy Spirit, and consider growing by joining a good Bible-based church, surrounding yourself with other like-minded believers who will build up and help edify your faith in Jesus. Now allow, allow me to be the first person to congratulate you on making the most important decision of your life. Congratulations and God bless you. Friends, the Grace and Peace of God Love Wins podcast will be available most days during the week. A special children's podcast airs on Wednesdays. So tune in along with your kids for your favorite Bible stories that you grew up with when we're not in the middle of a series. We'll be discussing and sharing Jesus's unlimited power in our present day lives, delving into many topics such as forgiveness, spiritual warfare, how to be joyful, what love in action looks like, biblical trust, and many more topics. I invite you and your friends to come alongside me as we embark on an adventure of all things Jesus. So please join me. If you like this episode, make sure to subscribe, ensuring that you'll get the latest releases when they become available. And sometimes, friends, I reference my book, The Grace and Peace of God Love Wins. If you find the content inspiring or compelling and you want to pick up a copy of the book, you can go to my website at pampastorcopywriting.com or at Amazon, Barnes & Noble, or Dorrance.com. But importantly, friends, I'm not about selling books. I am about getting the information into your hands. And let me tell you, this book is packed with God's word and it's waiting for you to read it. 
Until next time, remember, you've been marked and sealed with the cross of Jesus Christ forever. And we're told as the last blessing in Revelation, it's Revelation chapter 22, verse 21, the grace of the Lord Jesus be with you all. Until next time, friends, God bless you. Thank you.